Hey, this is Darcy Rowling, and welcome to the Women 17 podcast, conversations with global women changing the world one sustainable development goal at a time. In each fortnightly interview, we'll learn about these women's journeys, challenges, successes, which SDGs their work contributes to both globally and locally, as well as hear tips on how our listeners can participate in the advancement of the sustainable development goals. Hi, listeners, and thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to be speaking with the founder of Lume Voce, Dr. Yingying Liu, who's joining us from Hong Kong. Welcome, Yingying. Hi, thank you, Darcy, for having me. This is going to be great fun to speak with you. Great. Thank you for agreeing. I'm really excited to be speaking with you, um, particularly because uh, Ying Ying and I have worked together in, a, in, an, in another life, and uh, which we'll talk about. Um, so I'm really happy to be speaking with you about uh, about music and, and, and Lumi Voce today. So um, before we get started, I'd like to share a little bit about Ying Ying with our listeners. Um, Ying Ying was born into a musical family in China in the 1960s, and it said that uh, music came to her almost effortlessly like a gracious gift. Her father, Liu Chi, was the most celebrated Chinese composer of the 20th century. And as a precocious youngster at the elbow of her father, Ying Ying learned what her father termed the essence and truth of the Chinese song and the knowledge of Chinese and Western orchestra orchestral scores. It's the sheer grace and loveliness of her voice, along with the brilliance at the piano that steered her towards developing her talents in the West. Yingying has performed across Europe, the United States, and Asia, and has a master's of music from Cleveland Institute of Music in Cleveland, Ohio, and has received her doctorate from the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. In addition to her musical career, Ying Ying is a global leadership, cross-cultural, and diversity and inclusion consultant. That's, in fact, how we met each other. <laughs> so, like I said, we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. Um, and Ying Ying founded Luma Voce, um, which actually means illuminating with sound in 2016 to inspire and educate youth to fall in love with wildlife and nature through the power of music, arts, and education because, quote, we protect what we love, unquote. So Ying Ying, we of course need to get started at the beginning of your amazing musical career. So um, I know I have not done it justice. Um, so maybe if you could expand a little bit more um, than what I've just shared uh, about how your life in music uh, started. Yeah, I mean, I think I was very fortunate. Thank you for the uh, wonderful introduction, Darcy. Um, I, I feel myself uh, very lucky uh, to be born into a musical uh, family. My parents are both artists. Uh, my father's a composer, my mother is a choreographer, and second career as a painter. And so I really didn't have a choice but to become an artist in a way. Uh, I, I think it's it's so wonderful to be instilled um, in my life early on in the arts and in music specifically, and uh, read a lot of uh, classics uh, literature. And I was fortunate also to go to the West to study classical music, Western classical music, and also taught uh, six years at university level of music. You know, um, I was really grateful for the experience to travel all over the U.S. and also studying and traveling in Europe and to perform. And of course, after we returned to Asia, I was able to also perform uh, quite a bit, both chamber music. I also perform as a, a soloist uh, in piano, also a soprano soloist as well. And it's through the learning of uh, the music and also uh, inevitably literature, you have to learn about culture and the culture differences from each, um, you know, each culture, each country, each region. I think that have set up for me to be extremely curious about the differences and similarities that we all share uh, from a cultural point of view, which have uh, really contributed greatly towards, you know, the work that we have done together in the past uh, with uh, cross-cultural consulting and also leadership um, and especially uh, diversity and inclusion work, uh, which I'm very proud of. And it's very important part of me. So 
music really had opened the doors、uh, for me to explore the world, and it is through that world I was able to travel and to learn from all the people from different backgrounds and learn about the cultural differences and also. To experience the magnificence of landscapes and all the、uh, amazing beauty in the world, both in terms in the human world of、uh, culture, music,、um, and you know architecture, but also in terms of landscape and nature, and wildlife. And it is through these travels and sharings, I think I you know started. To be more in tune with nature and with wildlife. Yeah, well, I thank you so much for sharing that, and I have to say it's amazing. You know, when you work at a job, you get to know people.、Um, you know, you're focused on the task at hand, right? So you're focusing on, okay, Yingying, are you available at this time, at this date? How was your weekend, and as such? But we don't actually. We haven't had the opportunity to deep dive, and I'm just so touched by、um, the poignancy of what you've just shared and how you've linked, you know, culture and your experiences with, you know, the leadership development work that you do. And we'll get into that in just a moment. I, I think that's so poignant,、um, and I almost want to say I'm sorry that I never asked you these questions because <laughs> I think we would get to know each other so much more, and you know how. You know how I became so interested in China. You probably wouldn't know、um, how、yeah. I, my passion for China. This isn't a podcast about me, but I will tell you that my dad told me I became interested in cultures because my father told me.、Um, this is one of many things, but one touch point was he told me I could plant a tree and I would get to China. Excuse me, if I dug a hole, I would get to China, and <laughs> and, and so I attempted that. I was probably about seven or eight years old, and we dug and dug and dug in the backyard. Finally, my mom said, "You got to tell her she's not getting to China for dinner." So,、um, so I didn't get there. I do think he wanted me to help him dig a hole, and I, in fact, enlisted all the neighborhood kids to, to help help dig this hole. But eventually, my dad passed away, and I used the money.、Um, That was willed to me to go to China for the first time,、mm. and that was in 1986. So、wow. I did get there with my dad per se, but、uh, yeah. but you know you probably wouldn't have known that about me and what、mm. kind of got my drive of culture. So、um, so I think I'm going to need to go. Yeah, I think I need to go back and revisit all of my、uh, my colleagues'、uh, experiences and how that shaped、uh, who they are as adults. So,、yeah. again, this is not about me. So,、um, I do I want to just step back and ask you a, a question. I mean, you were growing up in in China in the 1960s. So,、um, so just curious as to how that experience shaped you、um, into you know the, the musician that you are now. And、um, yeah, just curious how that、uh, shaped your life. Ah,、oh, that's a great question, Darcy.、Um, not many people are curious enough to ask that. <laughs> so thank you for that question.、Uh, it is a very difficult time during Chinese history at that time in the 1960s, and、um, you know we were my family were exiled to the countryside、uh, when I was、uh, six years old, and、uh, I started learning piano. Actually, my piano was on a brick bed. Uh, so we were in northeast China because you know the home was made of mud hut, and so and the the floor is very wet, and the, you know the ceiling was is is made of grass and then mud on top, and then、uh, you know it, it dribbles, you know when it rains outside.、Mm-hmm. So the floor in rainy season is always wet, and so. We have to put the piano on the brick bed so that it doesn't get wet. So that's how I got started.、Um, but I, I think what, what I do remember, and there was a lot of hardships, right? A lot of struggles.、Um, you know, shortage of food, and、um, my parents. Uh, uh, you know,、uh, my father was the capital's road runner, was steamed, and so you know our homes were were raided in the in the. Um, in the city, and we were sent to the country. But what I do appreciate, I think, um, I'm my family、um, are very optimistic. My parents are very optimistic people. What I so I had a great model in a way because they were, even though life was hard, 
but they never give up in the education in me. So I read a lot of classics when we can get the books and then even the, the piano on the brick bed and they still had me playing the piano. And so, you know, um, and my mother became an amazing uh, farmer and to work on the land and to produce. And my father continued to compose. And so I think what I have learned during that time is not to become a victim of your circumstances, but make the best out of things and continue to live your passion and, and to live you know, what is important to you and to my parents, being an artist, being a you know, uh, interested in literature, interested in culture, those are all very early on in that are instilled in me. Also, very importantly, the the interest and the love, passion for life. Uh, I say this because my mother had incubated many chickens, ducks, skis, and we had little pigs, and we have an uh, angora, long hair rabbits um yeah and uh, wow. uh even had a pet squirrel sometimes so uh we just it's it life it's all around you and love of plants if i share still continue to share that passion with my mother today she passed away last year but i have a beautiful garden because you know you live in the countryside and it's just the love for life around you and all forms of life and, and and interested in culture. I think those are the things that I've learned. And um, and that has set a, a great foundation for me to explore in life later on. Um, and one other thing is uh, forgiveness. Uh, so after this very difficult time and my parents were, um, you know, uh, return to the city to Beijing, and uh, those who were, uh, you know, not very nice to them during this difficult period of time, and come looking and asking for help. I, as a teenager at that time, I was very, um, I, I didn't understand why they should help these people who were so nasty to them during a difficult time. But uh, that's what my parents said, you ought to learn to forgive people. And so those are very important lessons very early on in my life uh, during this time. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, um, it's it's um, your, your mother sounds, you're both your parents, they sound like wonderful people. I apologize. I'm sorry about your mother's passing. I remember speaking with you years ago about your mom. So, um, and you and I haven't connected in a long time. So my condolences to you and your family. Um, but it sounds like with no pun intended, she planted some seeds for you um, all over the place that you've obviously very um, aptly connected um, and certainly taught you so many life skills um, that many of us um, through hardship don't have that. Uh, many do, um, but to look at the bright side and look at look at it as a learning experience and certainly forgiveness. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, particularly when you've come through such hardship as you've mentioned, but, um, but I'm, that's powerful. And of course, now I'm waiting for your book to come out because I'm going to need to read that. So <laughs> actually, I am. I, I am actually uh, asked to write a book. And this is my project in the summer. So <laughs> Aha, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. I'll be the first one to purchase that. So, <laughs> well, thank thank you kindly for sharing that uh, your your childhood experiences and certainly those um, important lessons that were taught to you by your family and tenacity also, I think, being something that your parents were also looking forward and what they were going to, um, what the kind of person you were going to develop into. They were really, you know, laying that um, and teaching you such wonderful life skills. Um, now, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit to talk about, as we know each other through leadership development, and you touched on this a few moments ago, um, cultural, which you've um, shared a little bit, and diversity and inclusion. These are the spaces that uh, that you and I had worked in. And again, I, I apologize now, it was more transactional than um, <laughs> understanding the person that I'm working with. Um, but I wonder if you could expand a little bit about, uh, a little bit more on that and how you link all of that together with, uh, with music and being an artist? 
Uh, very interesting. So I, you know, I have, uh, as in leadership, we often have transitions from individual contributor to, you know, um, leading projects and leading people and then and and being manager of manager. I feel like my life are going through different transitions, right? But everything come together at the end. Everything is interlinked, They're just like the natural world, I, I feel strongly now. Because, you know, I was educated as a musician. And then people often ask me, how did you transition from being a musician and uh, being a professor then to do leadership consulting and cross-cultural consulting? And to me, it was a, a quite a very natural transition, actually, because as I mentioned earlier, you study culture and you study people, you study the differences. And cross-cultural consulting really is about understanding these cultural differences. And leadership really is rooted in also understanding how to work with people. And people are different and sometimes similar, sometimes different. So that was a very, and being a professor in higher education, um, it was a very easy transition, actually. I just need to apply uh, and understand a little bit more uh, in depth. And uh, so I learned by doing. And with leadership, um, cross-cultural consulting, leadership uh, facilitation, and especially diversity and inclusion, I, I, I want to emphasize this point because to me, uh, this is a very important core value for me in the world. And I know, I know for you too, uh, Darcy, because we need to be uh, looking into diversity and inclusion, not just inclusion, but involvement uh, of people who have different thoughts and different perspectives than us and from different cultures, the different backgrounds. And if we are really truly believe in diversity and inclusion, we must include biodiversity inclusion. Because when we say biodiversity bi and inclusion, we often think about just in the human world. And here, since uh, you know, I, I have founded Lumi Voce to speak for the wild, and I want to really emphasize, when we talk about this, we must involve biodiversity and nature inclusion uh, inclusiveness, because we are not living alone in this world. So is the transition easy, hard from being a leadership consultant? And I still do some of the work, but for the last four years, I have reduced that to less than 10%, uh, focusing on Lumi Voce. And because it is one of the most um, pressing issues of our time that um, I honestly, um, I am concerned about the future of life on this planet. Uh, the way we're going, where the way the 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 speed we're dis, dis, destroying uh, nature around us. Uh, did you know that since humans came around this planet, um, that uh, we have already destroyed more than seventy-seven percent of nature uh, since we. Uh, came on this planet. So, uh, and we have lost 68% um, of global wildlife population in the last 45 years. I mean, those are incredible numbers. And we're facing uh, the, the extinction of 1 million species before 2030, if we don't urgently do something. And hence why um, I have uh, really devoted my time in the last four years, four and, well, five years now. Um, we just celebrated our fifth year uh, birthday a few days ago on the 15th. So happy birthday. Thank you. So um, the transition, um, I mean, to, I, I, it's, it's very easy because I'm still focusing on education. I just linked everything I, I learned from leadership, from diversity and inclusion. I used it every single day in my work at Lumi Voce because, you know, if you think about it, we, we focus, our strategy is quite straightforward. Uh, we are going to use um, creativity and the arts, all forms of the arts, and we engage with people, especially young people, and to inspire people to fall in love with wildlife and get them involved 
because we only protect what we love. I often talk to people and I say, you know, what's the difference between someone, an elephant and a family dog? And a person can hold their beloved family dog. And if you do anything to that dog, if you hurt that dog, they're going to go to, you know, the mattresses with you, right? But they can equally holding the family dog, but shoot an elephant. What's the difference? It is because we dehumanize. We don't have that emotional connection with the elephant or the lion or the tiger or the pangolin. And we think of them as food or as medicine or as resources to be exploited. But the family dog or the family cat, it's someone that we actually have emotional connections with. And, and so we will protect them if we feel the emotional bond. So our strategy is quite uh, simple in a way. We want to utilize the beauty and the power of the arts and creativity and involvement so that we make, we, we build that emotional connection for people, between people and these, you know, wildlife, the beauty of wildlife and nature. And once we build that, connection, we can then start to care. And when we start to care, we will protect. So it's really trying to get from knowing to caring, then to take action. Because I really truly believe since I'm in the arts, and we also know from leadership, someone is not going to change their behavior if they don't change their thinking. Someone is not going to change their thinking if they're not going to change their feelings. And feelings are, you know, often generated and monitored by emotions. And arts has this fantastic way of connecting with people at this deep emotional level. And that's why we utilize these art forms to connect with people. And especially we want to start people young. When they were young, their their brain are elastic. They're very, you know, you can really plant the seed. Um, as I myself had benefited from you know, the seed planting by my parents of love for wildlife and love for the arts and culture. And I want to do the same. And I want to plant the seeds um, uh, for in the young people's mind to start to really care about the state of nature and wildlife to protect them. So that's why you know, it, I, earlier you asked me, what are the books behind my behind me on the bookshelf? Well, those are the three wildlife illustrated wildlife stories that we Lumi Voce has um, published now, and we use them in school visits. We use them in our uh, online Voices for the Planet online competition, and we we get, give them as gifts to underprivileged children to read. We also make them into um, uh, the um, notebook form. And so, you know, corporations can also give them to their employees a meaningful gift at the end of the year instead of, um, you know, uh, your usual calendar or other things. This is, you know, very good and had ed educational value to it. Um, these, these stories are very compelling stories. We all remember that childhood story, right? We each of us have that story. And so that's, if you tell a child a fact, they may or may not remember it. But if you tell them a beautiful story, compelling story, they're probably going to remember for the rest of their life. And and these are stories based on true facts, what these orangutan, baby rhino, or elephant had gone through. Either that's, you know, poaching, they lost their their mother or through, you know, um, habitat destruction so that their forest is destroyed or through human wildlife conflict that they, they lost their loved ones. So these are based on true stories, but it usually has, you know, a, a really uh, high uh, conservation facts at the end. And so that children will learn um, to develop empathy and compassion for, again, it goes back to diversity and inclusion, right? For someone, some life form that is different from ours, but we need to really think about how our actions will impact their survival and their, their uh, basic uh, 
right to exist on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love how you've linked all of this, Ying Ying. It's really, it's so powerful um, how you've linked it. It was certain what you said at the beginning, uh, you know, talking about, you know, your domestic animals. Um, you know, certainly we have an affinity. We love our animals. But, you know, trying to make that connection with, you know, an elephant who obviously is not going to be a family pet or, you know, an orangutan and so forth and so on. And, you know, and I also like how you've you highlighted, as we do with, with leadership development, we're talking about behavioral change and that becomes mindset. And that is a matter of education. And I believe, uh, as I, I just actually, um, uh, um, shared a podcast today, uh, with Dr. Crystal Lee Crane, and we were talking about this education really, you know, I think it all stems from young, being young and educate, you know, your education, of course we can change as adults. <laughs> um, you know, you have to have the, the, the wherewithal and the interest to do that. But I think it really, you know, I love how you've spoken to um, and reaching out to hearts and minds um, to try to change both, because that is certainly the only way, in my opinion, that you're going to change behavior. Um, I'd like to highlight uh, here uh, for our listeners, if you haven't been able to extract this, uh, Luma Voce supports um, several of the sustainable development goals, including number four, which is quality education. Number 13, which is climate action. Uh, number 15, land life on land. 14, life below water. And 17, of course, you can't do this without partnerships. So partnerships for the goals are certainly, um, I'm sure you also touch on some others, but those are the the, um, the most prevalent ones. So um, I'd like to go back. Um, uh, I want to go deep dive a little bit more into Luma Voce in just a moment, but I, I do want to go back to the roots of when you started. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you're based in Hong Kong. Um, and as as I know, I lived in Hong Kong and, and maybe some of our our listeners know, excuse me, um, Hong Kong is an illegal wildlife trading hotspot um, zone. And so I'm wondering um, if there was any connectivity between where you're physically located and living um, to you thinking about Luma Voce. And also, Highlighting, I mean, most people know Hong Kong as sort of the financial district, the downtown area. Um, I had lived there for five years, and so I'm well aware of all of the wonderful wildlife that um, is all over, and you know, hiking. And there's pink dolphins that I unfortunately never saw. I'm not sure if that was actually true, but I never saw. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, Hong Kong has quite a dichotomy um, with having wi beautiful wildlife and also having this um, illegal trade. So I wonder if you could comment on that and if it has any applicability to, to why you started uh, Luma Voce. Yeah, great question, Darcy. Yes, absolutely. The question, uh, to answer to your question, Hong Kong is in an amazing biodiversity hotspot. So, and it supports a, a huge amount of biodiversity in a very small area um, for instance, yesterday we just had a as part of Voices for the Planet uh, online uh, challenge competition, we had a marine biologist uh, and give a, a workshop on the unique and strange creatures in Hong Kong living right, you know, in this area with us. Um, it's amazing, you know. For instance, Hong Kong just one one. One number would just boggles the mind. I mean, Hong Kong has um, so much corals, um, different kind of corals. It's more uh, than nearly anywhere in the world. I mean, it has 88, 88 different kind of corals, which is just mind boggling. And it has so many different kind of amphibians and all different kind of wildlife. And of course, um, the... Um, wildlife underwater is it's extremely rich, but also insects. So we have a huge amount of uh, butterflies and moths and bees and so on and so forth. So we are in this amazing, amazing uh, bio hotspot, biodiversity hotspot wildlife, but Hong Kong happens to be one of the major wildlife trafficking hubs. Um, and also a huge market for consumption. 
And I think, you know, for instance, um, Hong Kong, if you go to the markets, um, you will see, well, huge amount of pangolin scales on the in the shops. And you have a lot of shops still selling ivory and you have um, seahorses that stacked up to the wall being sold as medicine. And you have more than 50% of global sharks fin end up on the table of Hong Kong in the soup. And you have all this Hong Kong people eat 3.5 global average of seafood. So I mean, our oceans are getting increasingly empty. So you have this, your, the word you use was great dichotomy. Yeah, it really is. On the one hand, we have such rich uh, subtropical uh, weather and have wonderful, wonderful biodiversity. On the other hand, we're the major hub and, and illegal trade and trafficking. It's tremendous, tremendous. And so you talk about, and there's also habitat loss. And for instance, you know, um, the pink dolphin, there's only um, a, like, I think if my number is correct, only 60 something, 60 some individuals left. And, mm -hmm. you know, the bridge building destroyed their habitat. And now there's the another construction on Lantau Island and that's right at their habitat. And it's proposed if that actually goes full ahead, they will be wiped out. So, so does me being in Hong Kong and Lumi Voce here and trying to shout out to the people here um, have something to do with how Hong Kong is? Yes, absolutely. We really need to protect what is still here. And we need to rewild and rethink about how do we restore nature? And with climate change, um, it, you know, it's going to become more difficult because, for instance, uh, southern China and Hong Kong this year, we have in southern China, there's less than 50 percent precipitation means we have less than 50 percent rain. Like this spring, we hardly had any rain. Every day we're praying for rain. In Hong Kong, you remember during, you know, starting from about February, late February, March, especially all the way until now in May, it's rainy season. It rains a lot of the time, nonstop for days. This year we had hardly any rain. The creeks are very dry and the hills are brown. So, so all of these things, it really makes all of us should make all of us think about what is the future of life? Hmm. Yeah. What can yeah, we so do? And we, we really need to do something and we need to bring about strongly, urgently uh, the awareness in the community about the state of nature and the state of biodiversity. Because just like a few years ago, do you remember there was a scare globally that uh, the banana is going to get go extinct? Um, because we have started planting a single strain of banana globally instead of keeping all the diverse bananas around. And then we start planting the single one. Same with palm oil. You know, when you cut down a rainforest, you plant a single strain of trees it does not support the biodiversity that's needed. So if that particular banana goes had disease the other year and there was serious crisis that we're gonna lose bananas globally. And so biodiversity, just like diversity and inclusion, it's incredibly important because we need that diversity in order to survive, have a chance to survive uh, same with coffee beans, the same with many things, right? So we really truly uh, need to depend on that. We, we depend on insects, bees and butterflies and moths and all of these uh, bats for one third of the fruits and vegetables we eat without their pollination. We wouldn't have enough food. We can't pollinate fast enough. I know that because I have a garden on my roof. If we don't have bees, we will not have fruits. 
So, um, so it is a critical issue, um, especially given that we're facing the extinction of uh, uh, of one million species, both plant and animals, uh, before twenty thirty. Uh, that's what UN's prediction. And so if we lose them, our e whole ecosystem may collapse. And that means that we're seriously, our survival, it's seriously in jeopardy. And I think that it's very urgent if we are urgently teaching our children in math, in geography, in literature, we ought to teach children about biodiversity and develop compassion and empathy for things or lives that are different, uh, the diversity part of our life. We ought to really do that. So that's why you know we focus on quality education of the SDG. Yeah, you, you've um, thank you for sharing that. And it's you know you've <laughs> through this conversation, it's I feel like I'm going down memory lane with you know my time in in Hong Kong and. Um, you know, I lived, every corner has a, um, you know, Chinese medicine shop and there's the wet markets all around town. And, you know, I lived, you know, one block from a wet market, one block from a Chinese medicine shop that had many of those items that you, you said, I've been to Chinese restaurants that had shark's fin soup. Um, but funny for me, um, I became a vegetarian in Hong Kong. I actually, that was a, that was a, and I thank you for actually sort of tickling that part of my memory. Um, but that was the tipping point for me. I became a vegetarian in Hong Kong, um, mm -hmm. for a multitude of reasons that would probably require another, another podcast. Um, but, uh, but I do, I, I have to comment. I, it's an interesting, again, that word dichotomy with Hong Kong, because, if you are a visitor to Hong Kong, you are just, you know, you're normally you're just there to do some shopping, some, you know, have some dim sum, um, and, you know, go over to Stanley, go and see a couple different parts of this city. But it's awe, it, it struck me in great awe how beautiful it is on other parts, other islands and, and um, in the new territories area, if you're familiar with, with Hong Kong. Um, and it, it just, you know, the, the beauty is just amazing. But my point is, is that you have to seek it out. If you, it's like anything, if you live in New York City or if you live in, um, I don't know, Paris or London, you have to actually make an effort to go see the wild and go see nature. It's not surrounding you in the city center of Hong Kong or Kowloon. Um, so I think that, that that's also, I think, part of what you're doing and educating children. Maybe they've never been to, to some of the places, you know, on the Makalos Trail. Have they ever been to the beach? Have they, you know, what have they had an opportunity to do, which is just literally at their doorstep, but it requires some interest and, and as such. And, you know, I think, um, I, I want to now lead into your your um, voices for the planet challenge and festival, mm -hmm. um, but I I think that it's um, you know I'm I'm curious if you could comment on you know let's just use sharks fin as as an example and I you know. I, Again, you're bringing back so many memories of me seeing, you know, shark's fin in the window um, and just being and I'm a scuba diver mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I, uh, you know, in my my story started in sixth grade when I wrote a report um, a, a, of someone that went down in a bathysphere and was enthralled by um, Jacques Cousteau. So that's kind of where my my entry point into nature came from through the water. Um, but I'm just wondering yeah. if through the work that you're doing with these children, and if they're at the table and there are some of these um, endangered animals, such as the shark, you know, a shark's fin, um, a pangolin, um, other insects, um, seahorses, et cetera. Are they now pushing back in to their family and saying, you know, no, this isn't, you know, we shouldn't be doing that because, you know, you're, you're not spending time with the grandparents and the parents necessarily, you're spending time with the children. So yeah, yeah Linda, if you could comment a bit about that, and then I'd love if you could lead into talking about uh, Voices for the Planet Challenge and Festival, please. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before, before I talked about that, let me let me make sure that I say this. I'm a big fan of Chinese medicine 
and Chinese medicine, herbal medicine system. I just don't think we need to, we should use endangered wildlife in them. That's all. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan and I'm a big fan of a wet market because if you go to wet market, you actually see a lot of uh, diversity of uh, vegetables and fruits that you normally don't see in supermarkets. So I make a point of shopping at the market the wet market whenever I can and uh and of course not shopping for you know uh I've became a a, a nearly 100% vegan uh in the last few years and um and because I don't want to trying to protect I I would feel uh, like a hypocrite if I say I love animals and then I uh, I pr- try to protect one animal but then I sit down for dinner and to eat another, it would be very difficult. Um, so let me say that I'm a big, huge fan of wet markets and uh, uh, Chinese medicine. I just don't believe in we have to use, you know, the 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 pangolins and and the rhino yeah. horns and and uh, the seahorses that are endangered and the sea cucumbers and the abalones and you just name it. I mean, there's just too many and and the fish that are that are bycatch because they try to get something else. So um, so that's thank you for that. pointing that out. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, yeah, because I think our listeners could go down the wrong path with regards yeah. to that. And I right. ag- I agree with you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Sorry to interrupt. And so um, so um, yes, we uh, I I feel most hopeful when I go to school visits when we talk to children because you know. Um, they they ask such poignant, beautiful questions about what can we do once they learn about the state of nature, the state of wildlife. They often say, "What can I, what can we do?" You know, and they will make a pledge, and they will say, "You know, I will eat less meat. I will eat less animal products, and I will use less plastics." And I will tell my friends and I will get my family to watch uh, these beautiful documentaries. There's a, a, you know, there's a great many documentaries. One of them just recently came out. And I think I highly recommend uh, everyone must see. It's called Seaspiracy. And there's another one called uh, My Octopus Teacher. Uh, Those two, I would highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, Seaspiracy, it it has, it's been so incredible. It's changing minds. I know all the data behind because I've been doing the research, but I think everybody should see it. And, and of of course, uh, you know, some of these comments are come from our school visits. Some of these comments are come from our Voices for the Planet online challenge. Um, we started this last year, uh, utilizing our you know illustrated wildlife stories and also three of our wildlife conservation music videos that we have published, produced, published. And um, also we've involved a lot of artists to support this. And what we do really in this challenge is we have five art forms uh, and eight challenges. We have music, we have drawing, we have uh, writing, and we have uh, photography and videography, those five art forms. And again, this goes back to our, my, you know, our Lumivoche's core value of we want children to get involved, not passively being preached at, but give them the tools, give them a process. So if I'm a child, let's say, I want to write about an orangutan. Who Do I know? Yeah, as a child, we give them a process sheet, a guidance, what they can do, step one, two, three, four, five. And then they will have to, actively go online, learn about the orangutan. Where does it live, right? Oh, it lives in a rainforest. And what does it eat? And what is the habitat? Why are they critically endangered? Who's killing them? You know, does that have anything to do with me? Well, yes, because the unsustainable, unsustainable palm oil, they cut down the rainforest and then they plant a single strand of palm oil 
And so what does that have anything to do with me? Well, go look at the um, <laughs> your shampoo. Go look at, at your soap. Go look at the back of your uh, snack. Look at, um, you know, the, the, the chocolate that you're buying. Um, do they have what is called vegetable, natural vegetable oil in it? If it is, it's most likely it's palm oil. And it's most likely unsustainable palm oil. There's not a huge amount of sustainable palm oil. Um, there are some, don't get me wrong, there are some, and I support those, right? But, uh, the, but largely unsustainable and burning down the forest to do that. So what we do is through the arts, but children will come back and really write their story about the orangutan. But in the meantime, they would have actively learning about the orangutan. And now I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw the eyes. And if I'm going to write a story about orangutan, about what this baby orangutan had gone through, losing his, his mother to the fire and then end up in a palm plantation and then you know so sad by 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 himself and then eventually uh in our story of course he reunites with his mother fortunately but that's just one in many many stories that many of them don't or they get treated as pets right but but the the main thing is that we set out these competition or online challenge children can then draw or write or, you know, the, if they're fortunate, they can go to the wetland here, Maipo, you know, and to take a photo of the black spoonbill bird, which is, you know, very critically endangered. But they are, one, we support them, one third of migrate through here in Hong Kong. It's very rare to see them. So you can take a photograph or you can write a story and you can make a music video and but all of these involve them actively getting involved and learning and processing and make a presentation um, through something. Or let's say I want to sing a song about the planet. You know, I am the earth, a fantastic song. Or sing one of our songs uh, with the, the music video that we have. So all of these involves active creative uh, thinking and in this process, they will develop compassion and empathy because we have one winner from last year said when I when she was making the music video, uh, wildlife music video, she has to edit and she kept looking at all the animals eyes, right? She will need to edit all the animal footages in there in the music video. So music plus images of wildlife together. So she does the music and she has to see how they match together. But in that process, she was looking at animals' eyes the whole time. And she wrote to us, she said, I just realized, you know, if I don't protect them, who will? And I feel like I need to do more. I always thought myself as very nice and sensitive to animals, but I think I'm not doing enough. And this process take more out of me. And we have one, you know, winner for the writing of the story and um, and third grade. And he said, so he wrote 20 pages based on our illustration of a baby rhino who lost his mother to the poaching. He said, I didn't realize that poaching is so rampant and you can break down an entire family. I feel very, very sad. I really want to let people know. So I think one is that when young people go through this process themselves, they are impacted. They, you know, they, it brings out their emotion, their compassion, empathy for other life forms and learn a whole lot and about habitat, about human life, uh, you know, conflict about habitat loss and 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 the you know destructive uh, unsustainable consumption um but at the same time they also get their families involved and what we are doing this year is offer these challenges to schools and um i'm happy to report we have 
Nine Hong Kong schools now are confirm their involvement. We have a few Chinese schools also confirm their involvement. We have a few thousand students going to be um, uh, uh, participating in this. So last year we only have a hundred plus, and suddenly we have, you know, a few thousand percent growth this year, and we're very thrilled. Uh, to do that, and at the same time, you know, we have all these about nearly twenty artists to support us, both um, doing workshops to inspire um, young people uh, and to help them develop their creative skills. At the same time, we have another batch of artists. Uh, these are all, you know, local and global award-winning artists in its different art forms. And they are supporting. They will help being judges to select some of the outstanding artworks created by children. And um, but every children, every student who participates will get a certificate from us, e-certificate. We won't print because to be sustainable, we will we will, you know, give the school the the the, the certificate. So because we, it's mainly about participation. Uh, and not just about winning, but of course we also want to select some outstanding artistic talented uh, students to feature them in our November festival show show and tell and and celebration in November, um, which we want to you know encourage. And that's where we also bring in families and also the public. Um, to support. And so the impact goes from children, children's artwork to their family, friends, uh, peers, and then to the community and the public. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, again, you're looking at behavioral change and I like what, what, I, what I really like is is that you're um, opposed to, if you, you can, re anybody can read a book, right? And that's what we do in school. We read a book and, um, and that's it. And maybe we write a book report and you kind of skim the surface and it's usually in written form. Um, you know, that's what I did. You know, that, that infamous uh, Jacques Cousteau bathysphere experience was, you know, probably like a two or three page. And I think I actually did, I did draw a puffer fish. I still even have the drawing of that. Maybe I should submit it <laughs> for the competition. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but what I like is that you're drawing on, uh, various mediums to, you know, somebody might not be that good of a, of a drawer or a singer or a video, you know, you, you offer all kinds of opportunities for these children to, um, use their talents or learn something in order to convey their message and that they are deep diving into, um, you know, wildlife, a particular wild, you know, issue or, or a particular animal that they'll learn. And that, uh, that brings everything to life. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Ying Ying, you know, when you were traveling, I mean, you know, you, you had that sense of curiosity, you were looking at cultures and you were curious about them and you, you know, walked on the street and ate the food and, um, and met with the people and that curiosity, you know, not not everybody feels that way. I mean, I know people that are touring musicians, um, certainly not in COVID time, but I know touring musicians that, you know, they just go, they perform, they go back to the hotel room, they maybe have some food, but it's, there's no interaction. There's no sense of curiosity. And I'm not, you know, because they're there to do a job per se, if, mm -hmm. if you like, and the job that they love. So, um, but I just love how you've, um, you have the children really deep dive and understand and understand it to a very, very deep level um, uh, of, of their, you know, the environment and, and, and as such. So I think that's really important and getting the family involved and as such, because that's the only way you're going to make the change is if you, yeah. you know, you get the whole family involved. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I love this. We, we, uh, what I really want is to have that emotional connection. And there's nothing better than the arts to have that emotional connection. And the arts Absolutely. are beautiful and powerful. And so once you have that emotional connection, kids can develop empathy and compassion and curiosity. 
and explore, you know, why, you know, what do we do that impacting our, our environment? And you're absolutely right about uh, family. And so we're very, very much into family. And, and, and so hopefully through these learnings together and families will support in, and, and there's also family bonds that are created through this activity together as well. And really is for where we're, want to enable children's voices for the planet. Uh, and that's why it's called Voices for the Planet. Uh, we want to enable their voice, their curiosity. And all, uh, children, if children develop compassion, then we have, uh, I think we have hope for the future, really. Because it is, um, as I said earlier, you know, I think we should all be concerned about the future of life on this planet, not just humans, but uh, all life. And without a healthy ecosystem, without a intact biodiversity system, that we will not be able to sustain life on this planet. And we should all worry about that. We should all be concerned about that. And we should all do something about it. Absolutely. For sure. I, yeah. There's, if, if not us, who uh, actually, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. very guilty. We left our children uh, in, in such a bad state of nature. I mean, um, really, <laughs> we owe it to them. Actually, most certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I I have two two teenagers, and I feel this uh, weight on my chest all the time. I'm trying to make the right choices myself now. Yeah. Um, you did. Uh, it is called Voices of the Planet, and you do sing. So I'm wondering. What have you been singing recently? Did you <laughs> sing in the, you know, <laughs> we're talking about the kids, but what about your yes. good self? Uh, did you sing in the, the video or where, yeah. where, where do you come into play? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, we have already produced three uh, wildlife conservation music videos and I sing in all three of them. And you can definitely, listeners can find, you know, on our website, uh, www lumivoce.org and if you follow the the button that that looks like youtube button the play button it will lead you to our youtube channel which our video music videos are in there uh the music videos i sing and we're going to continue to produce them uh i've already recorded eight tracks and we're uh finished three and we're just looking for more funding so that we can continue to produce more wildlife stories and more music videos and continue to you know uh, to uh, do every year Voices for the Planet Challenge, where we involve a lot more young people. And um, so check it out. I mean, um, I'm a soprano, you know, classically trained. And, uh, and these music videos, we feature critical ecosystems. And the stars in our music video are the wildlife themselves. Um, so uh, they are very beautiful. I'm very proud to say everybody who has seen those videos uh, really absolutely love them. I've sang them many times also live um, at different functions, including, you know, some of the, you know, women of influence in, in, in Hong Kong and, and uh, uh, American Chamber of Commerce and uh, Women of Influence Forum and other um, functions for companies and for organizations uh, that they want to involve other people. Um, I mean, music is a great way of uh, inspire people to start to take notice and care. Well, thank you. We'll we'll put um, certainly we'll put the link to Lume Voce on um, um, on uh, my website, um, Women Seventeen um, uh, podcast website. Um, wondering, and you did mention you. Uh, I was one of my questions was going to be what can listeners do to support you? So you are looking for funding for um, you know to do some more videos. Well, so um, and as such, yeah, yeah not mm -hmm. just funding, but uh, if you you know it depends on where you are in your life. I mean, if you. Um, you can also simply just um, check us out, follow us, you know, and also follow our social media. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, 
follow our social media, give us a like, comment, or share. That those are you know you can do it easily. Uh, of course, we'd love to have funding support, but besides funding, you can do many other things to just spread the word, um, and that's a really great help to us. Great. Absolutely. So I'll put all the details um, on the website and certainly um, expect our listeners to do to follow you guys. Um, so I certainly do. So um, so we're getting close to the end of our interview. And um, and I, I think I could probably spend a lot more time. I've got a, a gazillion other questions for you. Um, but I would like to, to know, I mean, what what advice would you give other women who are keen to help their local communities? What would be, um, you know, some of your top, top tips? Um, and certainly not everyone has the skill set that you have and the natural musical ability, but I think that we can glean some of your wisdom um, it would apply to, to many different, um, you know, de- different kinds of uh, um, ways people can get involved in their community. Yeah. Um, I would say that fairly simple. I am a very biased uh, on taking action. I would say small, large, whatever it is, take an action every single day. Do something that is good. Imagine we have 7.8 billion people in the world. And if each person can take a small action, that's 7.8 billion small good actions for common good. And really think about what are the things that are for common good, for the good of the future, for good of our environment, our healthy ecosystem, our good biodiversity, so that it supports all life uh, uh, going forward. Um, and, um, and if you are a woman listening to this, especially, I would say, bravo, you've already being an amazing, amazing person to support, you know, family, support elderly, supporting your family system. You're already doing a lot. But whenever you have a moment, think about doing something for the common good, for the community. It can be very simple. It can be, you know, uh, help help the family become very one of the single most simple things you can do to help the planet and help your family to be become healthier is to reduce meat consumption, animal consumption. Anything, any products related to animals, if you can reduce that consumption, you're already helping. And that is something you can do in a daily life and reduce consumption. Other than animal consumption, reduce your carbon footprint by reducing consumption, period. That means turn off that light. You know, don't crank up the aircon until 17 degrees, which is often in Hong Kong and Singapore and um, in restaurants and, 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 and places, which is not sustainable. Um, and so these are simple things. Take a shorter shower, you know, um, uh, and uh, take one action. Don't go out and go out with your own bags and containers. Don't buy that single plastic. Um, it, those are just very simple things uh, that you can do. And, um, and then volunteer. Volunteer for a local uh, community uh, based charity or, or nonprofit. Volunteer something, help someone to do something good for this planet. And that's what you can do. And it's very simple. Yeah, I love it. There, uh, every every tip there is is fantastic, and I think yeah we can we can learn a lot from that. And it, it basically, you're saying get involved and actually educate yourself too. Educate yourself on yes. the issues. Um, read you know, certainly, you know, just <laughs> read. Yes, there we go. Read the labels, and you know, there tr- there's some trickery there. You know, you try yeah. to you have to figure out what exactly is inside there. Of but of course, um, because you know, palm oil has about fifty, sixty different names, and the most common one is vegetable oil so you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah when they don't state if it what what kind of vegetable yes. oil it is yeah yes. yeah a bit of trickery so yeah but that's also on the onus of um, companies to get to get you know to, to provide us with 
clearer information and labeling, I think. Right. And that's another a whole nother conversation. So, um, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, I've learned so much from you and just really excited how um, how how uh, Lume Voce has, has grown and expanded from last year to this year um, and how you're highlighting some really important issues. Um, I'm sure that the leadership and diversity, inclusion, and cultural team of our former colleagues is disappointed you're spending less time with them, but this is more important. So okay. I think it more is, time uh, on this. It's definitely, Darcy. I I'm figured, sure. you know, uh, yes, we can learn all the math, all the geography. I mean, they are important, all the culture, but if we don't have a, a livable environment, none of that matters. And so this is okay. the most pressing issue. Um, everybody who doesn't matter what uh, uh, you know, profession that you're in, we ought to all pay attention to the single most important critical issue, which is biodiversity and climate change. Yeah, most certainly. And I like how you have weaved um, uh, your entire life's work and career and experience into this culmination of where you are now, um, whether it was by design or, you know, it, it, for anyone. I mean, sometimes they're by design and sometimes they're not. And sometimes you just have the wherewithal to connect the dots. So, um, but I think it's just beautiful to see for our listeners to learn about your journey and how you've uh, come. This has been the culmination of your life's work. So, um, so just thank Thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much, Darcy, to give me this opportunity to chat with you and your listeners and uh, really uh, go out there and do good, do some good. Do some good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Great. so much. And do, do, you. do, yeah, do follow us. Do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every All your social media stuff will be on the website for our listeners. So, um, And I would certainly like to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in to the Women 17 podcast, Conversations with Global Women Changing the World, One Sustainable Development Goal at a Time. We welcome your feedback from today's podcast and wish you a happy, safe, and productive day.